so welcome to Unsigned 518. I am uh, here with Nikki Chaos, and and actually we'll explain later, we're not the only ones in the room, but but you're, it is your episode, and, and we have a, a surprise guest sitting here that we'll explain later. But I'm his sidecar. <laughs> right. But we've actually never met. That's true. And when uh, it's at, it's Christian Montgomery who's sitting here, and he was coming on the show and was like, hey, you know, is it cool if Nikki Chaos stops by? And I was like, well, not only should you stop by, but let's give you your own episode. So we're doing a, a split episode, which is fun. And that's why I like doing this shit in my garage, because I can do whatever I want. Um, but anyway. It's pretty want- style in here. I'm pretty excited to be here. It's the Dazzle Den. It know? is the Dazzle Den. Oh, my God. It even has its own sign right above the just- Pac-Man. Yeah. I was dazzled by the Pac-Man. I didn't even notice the sign. And you have to play the Pac-Man machine because everybody, nobody ever takes me seriously when I'm like, oh, I'll in, play that a couple machine. games of Ms. Pac-Man. There. Maybe just- more than once. What other yeah. video games do you have here? Uh, there's but a Mortal also- Kombat right to your right. I- oh, I did notice the Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was functional. It is. Yeah. And I feel like I would need at least an hour here on acid to fully take in this room. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so maybe for a future date. It's a little early today, but (laughs) next time. (laughs) Yeah, it's only like 11 o'clock. Next time. Drop acid and hang out in the Dazzle Den. It's bright. I mean, the Dazzle Den really is. It's even better. Like, I try to to block out the windows, but like during the day, it's a little tough. But at night, when it's like super dark, then the room comes alive. Oh my gosh. See, there you have it. All right. So. I told you we were going to get off topic, and it usually happens I'm, quick. But. Nikki Chaos is known for it, so get ready, boys and girls, and anything in between. <laughs> so I wanted to, I guess, we'll start the conversation kind of with your relationship to music, like how you got to, I mean, because you perform, you write your own songs, and like all of us, like I'm sure it's not, you haven't been doing it every day for your entire life. Like when was it uh, when you were like, hey, I can write my own songs and perform my own songs. And like, when, when did you grab music by the balls? I guess like, huh? Well, I was born in a musical family. So I think I had a natural inclination to, you know, have a melody in my mind. I just always have melodies in my mind, music in my mind, truly to the point where, you know, a lot of times when I'm driving in the car, I don't even listen to the radio because I'm playing music in my head. Uh, and then I was very lucky to have a great uh, music program in all of my schools. Uh, I grew up in the Troy School District in Lansingburg, and I had great music teachers across the board from start to finish. And I, I you know, I played saxophone in middle school and high school. And by um, high school, like 16, I really wanted to start writing my own songs. I got my first guitar. Oh, wow. And that's when my songwriting started. And, uh, you know, I was talking to Chris earlier about songwriting, being a songwriter. And it's, you know, that was where I started to grab music by the balls, (laughs) technically speaking, to put it in your terms, because um, I just couldn't not write songs. You know, I just I write songs all the time. I was at a festival on Friday. I woke up in the morning and there was mosquitoes around my tent and I wrote a song about the mosquitoes. It just kind of kind of. If, you, if you're used to writing songs, it, it comes naturally. There's a lot of different ways you can approach writing songs, but for me, I was lucky uh, that it was an instinct, and I just I can never give it up. I've been doing it for more than 30 years now. Wow. Yeah, you are lucky, because I, like, I mean, me, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm 50. I started writing songs 18 months ago. <laughs> like, uh, but, and you know, I've been playing guitar since I was 15, it. And it was always emulating other people. My whole entire, it was an acoustic guitar and emulating other people. I would be like, 
what songs can I play around a campfire? And I could play it and I never wrote my own songs until a buddy of mine, like I said, about a year and a half ago was like, why? Why don't you? And I was like, I don't I'm so glad you flipped that script. Yeah. I know a lot of guitar players who kind of went that road. You know, there's a lot of guitar players who are so technically proficient and really outstanding guitar players. And they've learned a a, a huge variety of other music. They've never taken the time to find their own voice. So I I commend you for my songs that that I knew was like thousands, like I knew thousands of songs. Yeah. I I mean, every chord you could possibly, but people be like, write your own songs. I mean, I can't. It's exciting that people thought you were, interesting enough that they wanted you to write songs yeah. they could have said please give up the guitar <laughs> <laughs> so you could you know you must have had something to work with there i'm sure right. yeah but then <laughs> you know like i said as a, a f- almost 50 year old i was like all right let's do this and then we started writing our own songs and it was like yay you know it's never too now. late like, to embrace something that brings you satisfaction right. you know happiness it's hard to say that the music business makes me happy because there's a lot of headaches with it no doubt the business but, side of it does not make me happy but you know <laughs> playing songs in some ways that I, I trade the business for the playing yeah. of the songs for me i value the playing the songs more than i value the business side of it and so that's in one way why i have a day job so i don't have to right. feel pressured to make money from my music uh and i didn't have to learn all those covers i could just really focus on what i wanted to write and I'm as happy with playing a party and having four or five people in the room enjoying my music as I am playing to a crowded bar where nobody's even listening. Right. So to me, it's about engaging the audience more than anything else that creates the authentic experience of the exchange of music. Or I play for myself. If I'm upset, I'm having a bad day, I'll pick up my guitar. It doesn't matter if anyone's in the room. And sometimes I prefer not because people are like, wow, oh, why are you banging on your guitar like that? And I'm like, I'm upset. Leave me alone. <laughs> you know, but it's like it gets out. It's a catharsis. So for yeah. me, it was uh, 50% therapy, 50% attention getting, and then probably another 50% that I didn't add up because I'm always a little extra. <laughs> I love that. And I mean, like you said, it's ne- you're never. it's never too late to like start doing it. But like, a lot of people, like I'm mean, speaking from my own experience, I didn't, there was an intentional reason why I never did it, and that was my fear of failure. Like, I was, like, completely, like, I can play, you know, a fucking Pearl Jam song or a Sublime song or a Cat Stevens song in front of strangers, no problem. Because if they don't like it, I can tell myself that they just don't like Cat Stevens songs. But, like, oh, if I, I'm like, if right. I, like, put my own shit out there, and get a bad response or like you can tell like people then i'm like that's i just gave you my soul and you like didn't even fucking pay attention so like it's 25 years i wasted because of that thought and now i'm just like i guess i'm at that age where i'm like i don't fucking care like i don't yes like i don't care if you pay attention to me i don't care if you don't like me i don't care if anything this is fun as shit for me whether i'm doing it for an empty room or a bunch of people I feel that's really essential for being successful in your creativity is driving it from that place of I'm doing this because this is what I think is right. You know, it's great to get feedback. I have people who I trust. I'm like, oh, man, I'm not sure if this sounds right. Or what do you think of this chord or that chord? It's not that you don't have those people. But when it comes to expressing yourself, I truly do believe it's essential to be coming from that fearless place. Otherwise it's always going to sound like something else. You're always going to be pleasing a sound that is not 
inspired by your creative absolutely uh you know your individualism what makes you authentically interesting and and until you can embrace that part about yourself there's always going to be a little bit holding you back from truly getting there and that frustrates people as artists I've, it's frustrated me because i've lived in fear you know there's a lot of reasons i mean gosh in the music business for me you know, a lot of times I'm like, do they like me or do they just want to get in my pants? You know, right. uh, so I can't tell I if people are being fear. authentic. <laughs> 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 uh, so I'm sorry to hear that. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> as a very uh, sexy woman, I have had that fear many a time. And and, uh, you know, I've still weathered the storms. It's been a bumpy ride, no doubt. But, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people will tell you they like something about you right. that may or may not be legit. Right. And so being able to hold your course and stay true to your sound and what you're really going for in some cases some people are born with it they just are born like i i got to interview um oh my gosh i think it's david harrington from the chronos quartet and that guy i swear to god he probably came out of the womb just like writing symphonies in his mind he was just his Bam, bam, bam. You could just tell there was no holding them back. Like David Burns, probably that kind of person. But, you know, some people have to kind of get there. Some people never get there. Trying is, is the big important thing. But if you care about it, if you don't care about it, then why you, why would you bother? Right. You know, do it. Other people do music for other reasons to get popular, to get girls. A lot of guys, were you, did you start out playing guitar because you thought it would be a cool way to get girls? No, I had, Thank a, goodness. I had a really, Are you just like, saying that because you're on tape? Really weird, low self esteem. <laughs> no, like anybody who knows me would know. I had like real esteem issues when I was young. And I used okay. to like, I was the kid that would act out and be really fucking annoying. Um, because because like, like attention was attention and like I like I didn't even start thinking about girls in that sense. Until you weren't I was even like, worried I, about it. It wasn't even on my right. Like so when why I, did you pick up the guitar? Because it was really fun to do. Like you just it was enjoyed really it. fun to do, and it was like you know Nirvana had just come out, and I was like, you were inspired I, by the sounds you heard. You yeah, wanted to figure out yeah, how to yeah. make those sounds. Yeah, and that was like what really got me going was Nirvana. Like, and I was like, I can fucking do that. Like, I can do that. You know, and and got, that was like the chains for me. People are always like, can you sound like this person? Can you sound like that person? I'm like, I sound like me. Can I sound like me? And they're like, meh. And I'm like, well, uh, here it is anyway. And right. you know, I. But that's a fearless attitude. I, yeah, I guess because I, when I was people would be like, can you fearless. sound like that? I'd be like, sure. You know, you don't want to hear me. You know, you don't want to hear I've me. I've gotten worse so like, the older I get. <laughs> I can't wait another 20 years. If I make it that long, I'm going to be one badass motherfucker. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, you know, it's a, I love the, the the thought of the fearless attitude to be like, this is me. I don't fucking care if, you, you know, and you can't please everybody. So that like, was going to be negative feedback. There's going to be. That's like, what No matter took. what you're doing, unless you're doing trite fucking middle of the road bullshit that's, you know, AI right. generated like people are going to not like it. You know, because some people are like, I don't like this kind of music. Well, that's the kind right. of music I do. So, you know. And to be truly authentic, I do have a fear of not being liked as a person. Oh, More yeah, than I sure. have a fear of not my music not being liked, which is kind of an interesting. Now that I'm thinking about my fears, I'm like, well, you, you do have a lot of anxiety. And when I get up on stage, even still, like if the room is weird or if I walk into a place and people are just being off, like I'm very sensitive to energy. So... Sometimes I'll get really distracted on stage and I it's only through mental discipline and 
decades of practice. I'm talking decades. Maybe I should have been practicing more at home, but when I would go into these places and I would crumble and now I'm like, now I'm a little bit mentally in my mind. I almost visualize myself slapping myself in the face like I'm in a battlefield and say, get your shit together, girl. There's an audience out there. It doesn't matter what they're doing. Look at the, look at the exit signs. Don't look at their eyes. And then I move forward. That's one of my techniques for getting through the fear. Look at the exit signs. Don't look at their eyes. I shut my eyes when we play a lot, which is fucking weird. Oh, it's so bad. It's one of the worst habits as a performer. I'm terrible at it. I try not to. Stephanie Bardick. Ask Stephanie Bardick because she's like, can I get any pictures of you without your eyes closed? Like, I'm trying, Stephanie. But when I open them, I look like a freak. Like, they're like plastered open like clockwork orange or something. Or the other weird move that I do when I don't want to connect, like when I'm too like shy about it as I look up at the fucking ceiling. I'll be like, <laughs> but that's what you got to go the exit signs is a little more above their heads yeah, and not like quite that. so up like i'm telling you you could pretend you're making eye contact it is it is it's just a tried and true trick out there on the stage i'm <laughs> telling you it's it's for anyone to take advantage of i highly encourage it <laughs> <laughs> i'm using it <laughs> so um I guess it's that time in the show where, where we should hear one of your songs. And you brought the guitar, and you're going to do an original tune. Is there something you want to say about the song before you, uh, before you play it? Is this the live one? Yeah, it is. Then, yes, this is a song I wrote because I get annoyed pretty easily. And I, you know, but I also, I feel... I have been uh, a life, death by a thousand paper cuts. Have you ever heard that term? I have term? heard that, yeah. Death by a thousand paper cuts. So I wrote this song called The Complaint Department because I complain a lot because I don't like paper cuts. And when people are paper cutting me, I'm like, ah. You're like, and that's then it just agitates me more and more. death right there. <laughs> but, <laughs> yes, exactly. But this is actually the song from the perspective of the complaint department people. I was okay. trying to get into their mindset. Right. And I wrote a song about it. And it's called The Complaint Department? It's called The Complaint Department. All right. So let's listen to uh, The Complaint Department from Nikki Chaos live in the Dazzle Den. And then we'll be right back to talk some more with Nikki. Let me introduce you to the new department, The Complaint Department. We're here to take your complaint. Here's a pen. Now sit down and wait. Let me introduce you to the complaint department, the complaint department. Are you ready to wait? Here's a pen, piece of paper, now sit down and wait. We've got lots of forms, lots of forms. Do you understand the forms? We'd love to explain them to you, but we're not allowed to. But here's some more forms and a pen, now sit down and wait. It doesn't matter if your complaint is resolved to us Because we don't care if the job is done well or not And we're here to hand you more pen and paper, pen and paper Are you ready to wait? Especially, especially if you have a complaint And if you have more than one, that's a lot more forms Especially, especially, especially if you have a complaint so why don't you fucking take a number already? Especially, especially if you have a complaint. Are they still here? Because we don't give a fuck about your complaint at the complaint department. All right, so that was the complaint department, Nikki Chaos. And uh, that was fantastic, by the way. 
Thank you. <laughs> so you've been writing songs since you were a teenager, essentially? Yeah, I would say it's when I really started writing songs. My first song that I ever wrote, actually, I still play. It's one of the few from back that time. Um, it's called Uncle Bob, and it's... It's kind of, it's actually about my Uncle Peter, but I changed his name to protect the innocent. Um, and I, growing up in Lansingburg, I lived kitty corner to a bar that at the time was called A Little Ray of Sunshine. So if you grew up in Lansingburg, I'm pretty sure you would remember it. And somebody had uh, thrown a lit cigarette butt into our bushes, which were kitty corner to the back of the bar. And the Lilac bushes got set on fire, and my Uncle Peter went out in his, like, tidy whiteies with a garden hose. I was, like, trying to put the fire out with a garden hose. And so the chorus is, uh, <laughs> Uncle Bob's dancing in his underwear, which is kind of a just a silly joke about just life being very silly and absurd. And in a lot of ways, the, the song, you know, kind of evolved from me just trying to find my way in life and... You know, feeling like a teenager, very confused about how to interact with people. And then all this, you know, I told you I lived up the street from a, a firehouse. You know, there's a lot of noise. I lived on Fifth Avenue. Right. There's people driving up and down, kind of like what you have here, you know, and just kind of being in the middle of the chaos of it all. And that just <laughs> made me need to come up with a way to express it and get it out of my system. And then I got a guitar and. It was off to the races. <laughs> and when you write songs, you know, obviously you're writing a lot about like what you see and what you feel. Do you ever feel like that expressing yourself like that is too vulnerable? Like I was saying with myself, like I could never find myself to, to pull that trigger. Like, or do you just blow past that and, and find the empowerment in it, which is... No, that's a great question. Um, there are songs I've written that I still don't play on stage yet because they're not ready. Or I'm not ready. Right, right. The song was ready, but I wasn't ready to perform it. Or maybe was not meant to be performed. I think there's a power in even writing a song for yourself sometimes. Uh, they don't always need to be performed. Sometimes you write a song for the audience. I actually tend to write kind of depressing songs, so I have to force myself to write some upbeat songs. Otherwise, you know, uh, you're Morrissey. <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I, it, it is it is true. Like because like I would always find myself writing like mopey songs, and everybody would be yes. like, "But you're so happy all the time," right. and I'm like, "Yeah, because I have an outlet for all my depressing shit. Exactly. You know, like I can get rid of it." <laughs> that like, is a huge exact thing for me a hundred percent in fact that you know sometimes i have to let go of the song has a purpose and it needs to be recorded or heard and just let myself enjoy the instrument you know here's a funny story when i broke up with my husband i bought myself a drum kit and i taught myself to play the drums because it was cathartic to play the drums you know <laughs> i wasn't writing songs i was just getting the energy out and expressing myself musically uh and i think that music in some ways is beautiful and then sometimes that has a purpose for an audience and sometimes it just has a purpose for you and both of those things are totally valid yeah and for me just like you those drums are a purpose for me because i'm not a drummer but when nobody's here and not a single person can hear me i pretend i am it, <laughs> you know it's like so much it's fun. a lot of oh fun God. to just like bang on the drums and you're like this sounds like garbage but it's so much fun 
you know, you do it enough and it starts to sound less like <laughs> right. garbage because that's what practice right, is. You right, right. <laughs> yeah, I do respect drummers because I'm like, how oh, yeah. do they get all four limbs to do something different, you know? Here's like, the thing. I can do, all four limbs can do different things, but they have their safety zones. Real drummers, you can tell them to do specific things with all four limbs and they can actually independently move them with their brains. And that's a whole nother level. Like, uh, I think it's Jason Bittner does a lot of lessons. And Steve Candlin, I took a lesson from Steve Candlin, actually, uh, which was great. You know, that's what I do. I take like one or two lessons and I ghost my teachers. I'm like, thanks. You gave me enough to work on for six months. I'll see you later, maybe. I, I do the same with YouTube videos. <laughs> like, oh, I do real people. I'm oh, always like, I love you all, though. <laughs> But, you know, <laughs> building relationships. Yes, you know? I know. I hope they still like me. They don't think I blew. I was like a, one of those students that was like, yeah, she'll never really be a good bass player. She doesn't stick with the lessons. No, I'm kidding. I've, I've had the fortune of having so many great music teachers, both formally and informally. Some of my favorite relationships with people are, you know, sharing my favorite tips about playing guitar or learning from somebody oh i tune my guitar this way and it helps improve its accuracy you know i'm always open to learning and i think the people i embrace in my life are, are coming from that mindset so you know it took me a long time to that that's another fear thing i think people are telling you how to do things instead of exchanging information right. in a way that is cooperative and communicating to, to be understood and not just to like be in a this is some kind of structure that is, uh, you know, maybe comes from a place of insecurity. People really feel like they need to be validated because their reason is the right reason. And I just, I, that pushes me away. There's so many ways to do things. Like I just can't be locked into. Right. Uh, and, boxes. and it's easy. I can't be locked into boxes. It's easy enough, I guess, to choose, you know, what people are, you know, when you, cause I've, found that by just cutting a couple certain people out of my life here and there over the last few like has just made me so much happier because if you have somebody that's constantly letting you know that you're not good enough or like that something isn't good enough or you don't have what it takes or why are you doing it, and then you're like i just don't want to hang out with that person anymore then you don't have that feedback that will launch you know, for me personally, then I'm, you know, no, I'm, I'm talking about probably 30 people over the course of 30 years, but like by just being like, oh, that's a shitty person. I don't have to be friends with them. They're not telling me good things. They're not seeing things from my way, you know? So like, yeah, in a creative stance, that's hugely important because if you're creating something and you have somebody telling you that it's not good enough, that's like almost irreparable damage caused constantly. It can set you back very far yeah. if you have people who don't align with your vision. And so I, I definitely hear exactly what you're saying. And one of the, and there are some very toxic people out there. I mean, just in general, across the board, no matter what industry, there's some people that just are control freaks, right? Or they need to have it happen their way and they can't let it go. And that's just, once you kind of see those flags and you get used to dealing with that, you 
you put those people where they need to go. If you have to deal with them for work, you deal with them to the degree you do, and then they stay where they need to stay. But, you know, one of the things that I've been challenged by is I'm always asking for feedback, but then when I get feedback I don't want to hear, it can be hard for me. It'll be soul-crushing. Oh, my God. But you didn't like I asked you, but you didn't like it. And so figuring out the right people who align with your vision who are going to help you see both the positive and negatives about what you're doing that aren't always going to be yes men, but aren't always going to give you shit about every little detail. Because that's just could be just as bad just, if know, somebody's like, you, "Oh, this is great," and then any you're like, "Extreme is mm. not good." Yeah, and then you go you out don't there challenge yourself. And then you, like, you know, yeah. somebody's put out these videos of you, and you look at it two weeks later, and you're like, "Oh my god, how many people have seen this?" Right? You know, so it is a double-edged sword. I think it's knowing. It goes back to knowing what you really want right. and or being around people who you trust that are going to be honest, but but uh, honest have your best, with kind, best, uh, best honest with kindness. You know? Yeah. yeah. And, and one of the other pitfalls I feel like I notice is people will think they know the way for you because it worked for them. And just because it worked for them doesn't mean it's going to work for you. That doesn't mean it's not going to work for you right. either. But if they're like, this is what works, you know, that's I'm always a big fan of. You know, you, that could work as one possibility, but there's so many infinite possibilities, which is... And it could, because even just like, think about survive. it, there's four people in this room and all four of us are probably very different and one thing isn't going to work, you know? like yeah. And when you think of it in the scope of even just a community, there's so many different things, you know? like right. And so if everybody just approaches it with... Po- even if you don't understand what somebody's doing, if you respect that person and you give them positivity and encouragement, that's all it takes, you know? Like, that's all it takes. I just... I'm it can a- be a huge game changer yeah. in elevating the scene in our environment and our communities. Yeah. You know, approaching things with a little bit of patience and understanding. You know, that said... Uh, if someone's a jerk to you, tell them to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> See, I like, I've discovered like as I get older, like, you know, I used to get really mad. Like if people were like jerks to me, I'd be like, oh, that guy was right. a jerk to me. That makes me so mad. And now I'm like, oh, that person was a jerk to me. I'm just going to that put my blinders up and they I, don't even exist. I have like, and I've a variety found of peace in just being like, depending on like, yeah, I'm just going <laughs> to, people that are mean to me, I just pretend don't exist. And I know it's, Probably not the most mature way to deal with things. No, but there's all sorts of, whatever just, works for you. Yeah, I just Here's don't have time for method. anger, you know? I, well, <laughs> see, I still have not figured that out yet. I'm still dealing with road rage, which is a very bad habit. I'm sorry, but it's true. Um, but also, like, if you get me on the wrong day at the wrong time, I can be really snappy. I can be really abrupt and direct, right? And people take that as being mean. And I'm just like, no, I don't want to talk to you right now. You know, well, and, I mean, and that comes from like, a place where people constantly think that they can solve. Pro- that's yeah. another thing that's not when you're like, oh, I don't want to talk. Oh, just tell me what's wrong. Be like, right. I don't yeah, want. I don't want, I don't to, want to. Like you know, because like so. not everybody wants to talk through their problems when they're having a bad day. You know, right? Or and they like, want to be. They want to talk about them, but they don't right. necessarily want a solution. They just yeah. need to vent. So I find it's just kind of interesting. The older I get. I'm more at peace with how I deal with that. Whereas when I was younger, I was always feeling guilty or like weird or embarrassed about my emotions or how I felt about people. So I think that's, uh, I'm glad. I'm glad I grew out of that because it was really getting old. I was like so old. Yeah. If I look back (laughs) at like 24 year old me, 
I, I see somebody that I would not hang out with. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the funny thing is I, I like, would have hung out with them, but I would have surrounded them by more loving people. Yeah, I would have been more like a big brother. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would have been I like, we I can't, I'm not going to hang out with crowd. you, but I'm going to fix you, dude. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I know. And there's no fixing. I guess you just kind of <laughs> right. have to go through it. But, oh, it took me forever. I've always been a late bloomer. Nice. And a whiner. I'm a, <laughs> and a late bloomer. I was told I was high maintenance the other day. I went to what? a camping festival because I had this beautiful platform that was up off the ground. And I was like, I set it up myself. That's not high maintenance. No, no, no. <laughs> but it was, I was in a palace. I'm a glamper. I'm officially a glamper now. <laughs> nice. I don't, I don't camp, glamp, or otherwise. You don't camp, glamp, or otherwise. No, no. You wouldn't know what to do. You could not start a campfire. Oh, I, I mean, you know, I, I was in the Boy Scouts 40 years ago, but. That's no. not a ringing endorsement. Yeah, it's not. I'm not. I'd be fucking terrible in the woods. We'd all die if I was in I'm charge. No, I will. Yeah. I'll throw you in the way when I run yeah. from the bear. No, for sure. You wouldn't even have to throw me in the way. I'm a you're chubby a fifty year old asthmatic. I would have to clean, get away. Like, is what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Excellent. Good to know. You wouldn't even be in the woods, so I would right, have no. Exactly. I would have you're no decoy if we're really playing this scenario out. That's okay. I, I don't want to sacrifice anyone. I chase Perfect. off bears and all other criminals. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we uh, should probably have you play another tune. You were going to ah, do another one live in studio, right? Absolutely. Which one is this one? This is called Change, and it actually lines up a little bit with what we were talking about, which is, uh, it's one of the songs I wrote way back uh, about understanding each other and not being afraid to embrace change. All right, cool. So let's listen to uh, Change, Nikki Chaos, and then we will be right back to wrap it up. Oh 
So that was Change, Nikki Chaos. And Nikki, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day to drive all the way up here to uh, horse country out in the <laughs> middle of nowhere. Uh, I really appreciate it. And before we go, just like I do with all my guests, I want to give you a chance to say your gratitudes, your highs, hellos. Uh, basically, microphone is all yours. Thank you so much. Well, first, I want to thank Chris Montgomery Peterson for inviting me up here. You're going to get to hear from him soon. And also Andy for hosting me and April for being a host as well. Um, and uh, give a shout out to my good friends at Radio RadioRadioX.com, Art Fredette and Rob Smittix and Liam Sweeney and all Peggy, Peggy Smolsky and all the other crew there who really like support me. I have a radio show there on Tuesdays, every Tuesday at seven o'clock. And um, they, they've just been huge supporters. I have articles that i publish with them online and in their magazine so uh just and thank you to everyone in the 518 and beyond for supporting the music scene however big or small seriously if you share our posts show up to one show a month two three more you know but even one pick pick the kind of music you like and just just go show up because we need to keep music alive so we can all we can all do that together all right, cool. So that is Nikki Chaos. I am Andy Scullin. This is Unsigned 518. And we'll see you on the road. Unsigned 518 is produced in conjunction with Nippertown. You can find new episodes here every week on nippertown.com. If you are a band or musician in the 518 area code and would like to be on Unsigned 518, shoot me an email at unsigned518 at gmail.com. I'm your host, Andy Scullin. I'll be back next week with another episode of Unsigned 518. Thanks for listening.